0: as they do that, um, I see some people I don't know, so I'm going to introduce myself, and I hear something on the mic that's unusual, so is that me, or is that just, this thing hasn't been used for like a year and a half, so I've got some kinks, but um, I'm Jack, and so if I haven't met you, I'm Bethany Northeast lead pastor, and um, welcome to this faith community if you're here for the first time, especially. Um, Now, for a lot of you, I haven't seen you for a year and a half either, so it's good to see some of you for the first time in a long time. Some of you we've seen online, um, though you haven't seen each other, and so (laughs) that's hard because you're like, wow, I really wanted to see my community even though COVID's happening and I can't. do all the things I used to do. So, I guess this is just a way for me to say this is a a strange, awkward, and really beautiful moment. Um, We have masks on. That's new for us. Um, The windows and doors are going to remain open, so bring a jacket (laughs) as it cools off. We have signs everywhere. Hopefully, you saw the The QR code so you can get the bulletin. We're not going to be handing things out. Um, Hopefully you brought hot beverages. I realized in our e-news I should have clarified what that meant. So some of you might have brought something else. I don't know. (laughs) It just feels different. And I just want to acknowledge the difference. Um, And I especially just want to thank you for being here this morning. Um, I think amidst all of what we've been living through and stepping out, it takes courage, vulnerability, takes energy, you know, and it's just not, it's not easy choosing a relationship. Um, It may, maybe a year and a half ago, going to church was just another thing, and now it feels like, is that even a thing? You know, I know I read an article, around a third of people have probably left the church in this last year, just as regular church-going people, and that's uh, hard to hear and hard to say as a church leader. So I just want to pause and and consider just, actually, we're going to pray, but Consider how different this looks and feels uh, just to be God's people in this space. Um, And also recognize that those people that have left have been, or maybe there's people that have moved. We haven't gotten to send them on. Some college students, we didn't get to celebrate in this space. Um, (laughs) That's annoying. (laughs) What do I do? A sec. These guys are wonderful, so give Jason a round of applause. <laughs> Maybe it's just that speaker, you turn it off. Or I don't know. Is it all the speakers? It's definitely in the mic, so. I can use silences, yeah. We'll try that. Is that better? Thank you. Um, I just want to lead us in a time of praying as we go into this time of in God's Word together. So, um, And it kind of holds the difference of this time. You know, I think, as I was mentioning... Some people have moved. We have students graduate. We've even had people that we've lost this year, got dear friends that we've lost. I mean, all of us has known somebody that we've lost this year, not just because of COVID, but just in life. So without a faith community to hold that, it's been hard. And so I just want to pray into that, and then we'll go into kind of, um, I hope is an encouraging <laughs> time in God's word, but let's take a minute to pray. Uh, God, we hold the, the time, we thank you. Your mercies are new every morning. Um, thank you for your mercy this morning to each of us as we've gathered this morning in this community, um, for sustaining us through the year, uh, for holding us together in friendships that are tight bonds, uh, many in this room, even bringing us back into this, this community, God, um, we, we hold the difference of this time it's, it feels different it's, it looks different um, there are people even as we think around the room that we miss that we don't see that we long to see either because we've lost them or they've moved on and so we just hold those people in our hearts We ask you, Lord, to lead us through this time of uh, of worship. Any words I share, God, would they be your words, your word to us? Yeah, would you open our hearts, God, to what you have to say this morning? We'll keep praying <laughs> as I even talk, but um, let's transition to God's Word. We're going to look at Luke 6. We're kind of starting a little series we do each fall called Gather, Grow, Go. Um, we're going to do it a little different, uh, and you'll hear why, but um, this is on top of uh, a challenging year, been a really challenging summer, right? Um, there's been w- a lot of wildfires. I was out, down in Oregon for a bike trip this summer, and Uh, You know, in California, I mean, just on fire, you know. And then you have hurricanes in the southeast, in New Jersey. (laughs) You know, like, poor New Jersey. Nobody feels bad for them. But hurricanes, there was shootings in Chicago. Um, There's rulings in Texas. There's political and unrest in Afghanistan. There's political posturing here you know, COVID variants and breakthrough infections and mask wars. And then we're 20 years on from September 11th yesterday. And so it just feels like if you're like me, I don't know, maybe we're very different, but I'm just confused. (laughs) It's, I'm disillusioned. I'm disheartened many days. I'm tired. I mean, teachers in the room, (laughs) my wife's a teacher. One weekend it's like, oh, this is going to be hard. You know, it's an exhausting experience. If you're a parent, you know, um, so we were, we, you know, as I have thought about this last year and all the layers of it, um, we thought probably that we'd be through this by now, like, you know, COVID be over, we wouldn't be wearing masks, it'd be behind us, right, and obviously that's not how things work, um, and that's not the case. I think we've been reminded this summer, what I'm trying to say is how fallen our world actually is, um, Which I think leads to this important and difficult question that I want to ponder and how I want to frame this little series we're going to do is kind of if we're stuck, if you're feeling stuck, like you're in mud um, or if you experience that brokenness in the world or in your own life, how do you get unstuck or how do you get on in the world inside of that space? Like if you're feeling tired I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if that Matthew 11 verse, come to me all you who are weary, is like your life verse. Like every day you could say that and it'd be like real. How do you live? Like how do you get up and go to work and feel alive? Not just kind of getting by. Um, so that's what I want to talk about a little bit. And in the frame of Luke chapter 6. The reason Luke 6 is it's uh, Jesus in this passage, in, in many of the passages in the Gospels, is in the similar context that we're in. Um, So in verses like 7 and 11, for example, of that passage, he's facing accusations against him. There's actual fury. People are already, early in the gospel, wanting to kill him. Um, In the parallel passages, Matthew 6, Mark 6, and John 6 just happen to line up like this. There's a prevailing atmosphere of anxiety in in Matthew 6 because of the Roman Empire, You know, this domination model and the oppressive religious environment of the day as well hasn't, you know, changed that much. Mark 6, there's this prevailing atmosphere of unbelief. You talk about people leaving the church this last year. It's not a new thing. Kind of wondering, really? I mean, God? What's new? And so there's this culture um, of really, of... Yeah, people kind of leaving faith. And even Jesus talks about this, this, this um, culture of just fatigue. You know, Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary, anxious, and afraid, you know. So there's a profound sense of anxiety as well surrounding Jesus. It's difficult, it's dark, it's stressful. He, I imagine he's exhausted. You know, that boat scene where he gets in the boat and falls asleep? I think he's tired. Honestly, he's a human being. I think he's just tired of it all. And uh, all the circumstances. So the question is, how do you live in the midst of a season like that, and how do you respond to a season like that? Because Jesus had to get up every day just like you and me, and live his life? I't I mean, yes, Son of God, <laughs> filled with the Holy Spirit, awesome, right? But human. And just as, Hebrews tells us, just as frail and fragile as each and every one of us. Um, And so I I just want to look at how Jesus responded because I'm fascinated by that. That he could wake up every day facing stress, darkness, difficulty, fatigue, and offer the life of God to people around him. I want to do that. And so, and I believe you do too. So how do we model our lives after Jesus? And, uh, We're going to look at Luke 6. I'm just going to read this for us real quick. I think it will be on the screen too. But you're welcome to have it up. Uh, It says this in verse 12 of Luke 6. During uh, those days that I just described to you, Jesus went out uh, to the mountaintop to pray. And he spent the night in prayer to God. Right there I could just preach a sermon about sleepless nights. But... I'll move on to verse 13. When the day came, he called his disciples, chose 12 of them, whom he named apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James and John and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, and James, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So that's the twelve. And then verse 17, he came down with them and stood on a level place and a great crowd with a great crowd of his disciples. There's more than just 12 disciples at this point. There's a great crowd of them. And a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon, which are non-Jewish regions, by the way. We'll talk about that in a moment. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. You think of the things that you need healing from. Uh, they came to hear him and be healed of their diseases and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and in all the crowd they were trying to touch him for power came out from him and he healed all of them which is just a wonderful thing and so uh, what this passage illustrates on a really basic level I know we got kids here so maybe it's hard to attend so if I could put it in a nutshell and then I will say a few more things is how crazy the world around Jesus is and yet how centered Jesus is as a human being he didn't respond to crisis and stress and confusion the way I might like I think detaching (laughs) binging great British baking show not that if you've done that that's necessarily sinful but man I did that and uh Thanks thanks to my daughter. I, it's a great show. So, uh, Or trying to problem solve. That's usually my, I'm at Enneagram 8. So like problem solving, exerting myself and all my understanding and my know-how. Like I can get the, I can fix this, right? Um, that's how I think I, I tend to approach things that are hard. Maybe you do too. Like you sink yourself into things as a way to fix and cope with things, right? Or maybe there's another way you do it. Not necessarily wrong. It's kind of how we're built. It's that fight or flight thing that we're all, it's all natural to us. Um, that's not necessarily how Jesus approached things. That's what I'm just trying to observe here. He just lived out instead. Just notice how simply he lived out of that space of challenge and conflict in a very balanced, I just want to say like three-dimensional way. Uh, he, he prayed regularly. We, we're talking about this gather, grow, go thing. He, he looked up. You could say, verse 12, during those days as he went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer. I had a sleepless night last night. I was a little bit maybe anxious about this. Didn't really pray that much. (laughs) I just looked at my watch like, is it time to get up yet? Two o'clock, three o'clock, nope. Four o'clock, five, okay, I'll get up. You know, not a lot of prayer in there. On this occasion, though, Jesus went out to pray, spent the night praying. Mark says that... um, when the disciples, they got up with him to pray with him. So as disciples of Jesus were being invited to do this. They, they, could often, they were often found in lonely places praying. So prayer was this fundamental element of their life together. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, Oswald Chambers, that devotional author who many of you know of, uh, you've heard me say this, but he said once that prayer doesn't prepare us for the work, prayer is the work. It's, it is. It is. And so, it's how Jesus breathed, it's how he inhaled his Father's presence, it's how he ex- exhaled the will of God. I think he was just in constant contact with God the Father, trying to kind of download, if you will, what God wanted to do that day, very personally and intimately. It was the source of his life. And he introduced his disciples, his followers, not just the 12, but then he extended that to this kind of personal intimacy with God. Um, he talks about this in John 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches. You must abide. You could just placehold that, pray. <laughs> you just want something to what abiding looks like as a way. You must abide in me if you want to produce fruit. Without me, without that, you can do nothing, Jesus says. And we talk about a throwdown. Without that, you can do nothing. Try. Oh, Enneagram 8. <laughs> to do everything you think you can do with your own gifts and skills that I gave you, but without that, you can do nothing. Um, So our up relationship with Jesus, the way we kind of talk to God, how we abide with God, means that we will not grow as individuals or as a community without that. Our efforts are worthless, you could say, if we're not looking up to God. Our efforts as a church, this... You know, I, I don't know if people who've left the church, whether it's our church or any other church this last year, just haven't seen evidence of that, that that the spirit moving in their community. And I, I want to see that. That's one thing I've learned this year is the value of prayer um, on a regular basis. You know, I had a lot of days at home, you know. And uh, and some of that was spent praying just for you by name. Um, so, And that's God's intent for us is to begin not just going to retreat, as good as retreats are, or join a small group and do it there, or maybe I led us in prayer in church here. Those are vital. But on a daily, organic way in the warp and the woof, maybe while you're driving your car or brushing your teeth or doing the dishes or lying in bed, <laughs> sleepless, and saying, Father, what do you want to say? Um, Or waiting for the bell to ring. I'm often in the the pickup line to pick up Elliot from school these days. You know? Pray. So Jesus looked up. How many of us have have looked up this year? And I don't, again, don't need to have a show of hands, but have a feeling, wow, I could be looking up to God more. And it's not a huge ask, just an invitation. Um, So he looked up. He invited others in. So it says when morning came, the disciples came to him. He chose 12 they came down, and then they stood in this level place, and then a great crowd of disciples, this multitude joined him from Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre, and Sidon. So he came back from this time of prayer, called the twelve, designated them, and then um, but this is key, really key, and I want to key in on this because unless you read the the this in context of the whole Bible you 're going to miss it. Um, he chooses the twelve. Uh, why? Why does he choose twelve? And then there's this big group. That number is significant. So in Mount, in Exodus on Mount Sinai, if you know the Book of Exodus, you can't read Exodus unless you read it narratively. Um, so sometimes try that, and it's a parallel to the the Book of Luke. This is where God gives the law to Moses. If you know the Sinai story, and he and he says, uh, "Give this to the twelve tribes of Israel." And so when you read the book of Exodus, think of this. He doesn't give the law to save the people from slavery. This is really key. He saves them from slavery and then gives them the law. It's so important for us to kind of understand. So the law of God, you can see that, I mean, Jesus is going to talk about the after this passage I just read. The Beatitudes, we think of that as law, right? As kind of the things we're supposed to do, our ethical, moral standards for Christians. The law of God is never, Old or New Testament, never the way you get forgiven. <laughs> it's never that way. It's the, instead, it's the necessary framework for building a new community. We're kind of rebuilding a new, we're building a new community here after a year and a half apart. And what I think God is saying here in Luke, Exodus, is I'm going to make you into a new people, Exodus 6-7, where you go to First Peter. You were once not a people, but now you are a people. You had once not received mercy, but now you receive m- mercy, new mercy. So what God's saying is the reason that human community has unraveled, yeah, COVID, yeah, racial injustice, Yeah, all these things, but the reason that individuals are at war with each other, uh, I think of these wars that happen on social media over politics and uh, vaccinations and all these things. Family members at each other's throats. Friends, dear friends, I heard a story of two high school friends this week who got estranged and then one of them ended up dying and they never reconciled over, uh, you know, kind of laws that are being, you know, in Washington, D.C. and this guy talking about, like, "Ah, what a terrible way for a friendship to end, and never get a chance to go back to that. Nations at war with nations. We see that right now. The reason for that all human life is, is full of infighting and conflict is that when our relationship with God unravels, all of our relationships unravel. And conversely, the promise, and why it's such a gift that you get to be here today, is that when our relationship with God is restored, that has the ability to transform and restore all human relationships. So God says, I'm creating a new people, my people, and I'm making you into a true human community. A community in which you get to show the world through your relationships with each other, the world, the world around you, what humanity is intended to look like. We see all the unraveling in the world around us. And God is saying, I want to I repair that. And I'm using my people to do that. And you've often uh, heard me talk about this metaphor of weaving fabric to, to describe this repair, um, this reconciliation, restoration kind of work that God wants to do. If you think of fabric or tapestry, if you can imagine a tapestry, or think of threads, um, you think of a climbing rope, maybe that's your thing, climbing. Um, one thread is really fragile, isn't it? You'd never climb on one strand of thread. All ropes are woven. Uh, Socks—your socks right now are woven, generally, unless they're not. I guess maybe they're not. I don't know. I probably didn't say your, all your socks are woven. Maybe they aren't. But you get what I'm saying here. Our human lives alone are fragile. When we're left alone, and you felt it—if you've been isolated this year—and many of us, most of us, had at some point. But, if you take thousands of threads and you interweave them deeply, they become a piece of fabric, they become a rope. I mean, this is the wisdom of Ecclesiastes 3 that says when, you know, we're reminded of this image that that one can be overpowered, two can defend themselves, a cord of three strands cannot quickly be broken. That's the image for us. And what that means, I think, when you go back to Luke 6 here, is Jesus comes down from the mountain, he's going to... Preach the Sermon on the Mount. That's where we left off. He's going to graciously speak the law of God to people. Reiterate this, which is not a manual. Just hear this. Your Bible is not a manual for ethical living. That's not the intent. Though there are a lot of things you can learn from the Bible about how to live ethically. I'm not saying you can't, but what I'm trying to say is, and what Jesus is doing here, is I'm here to do the next stage of creation creation is continuing to unflow, unfold through me, and that is true human community. I am, by my presence here, gathering the 12 and then gathering these people from all over the place, Judea, Jerusalem, Tyre, and Sidon. By the, I, I need to name this. Tyre and Sidon are not Jewish regions. These are Gentile regions. So there's an ethic right here. It's very subtle, but it's really important uh, within the first Jesus community of racial reconciliation. When we emphasize that, when we talk about that from the, the pulpit almost every week, what we're saying is right here at Jump, God is about breaking the dividing wall that we as people tend to erect. We tend to do that. We divide over things. Race has been one of those things that Americans, and not just Americans, but we have divided over for generations. And God is saying by establishing this Multi ethnic community, I'm establishing my people, and this is how my people will look and should look. And so there's a calling here, it may seem subtle, but it is so clear to me to seek repair in that way and other ways, not just that way. And so I think God's word does, as we're coming out of this last year, to be, is, is, to, is to work for healing. Uh, the healing of this beloved community that Dr. Martin Luther King talked about. You know, many of us have felt alone this year, very alone. And so we come into this space in that way, wanting healing around things that we're caring personally. Um, many of us are very conscious and have felt racial injustice personally. Uh, and so we need a community around us to support and carry our own trauma, our own wounds. Um, Many of us, uh, you know, need to confess. Our parenting hasn't maybe been stellar this year. Uh, Working from home has been hard, or not working from home. Some of us have lost work, or your, your sense of value in your workplace has diminished. COVID. Life, you know, just faith. You're in the point of, you're at this inflection point. I don't know anymore if I believe anything. We cannot do this alone. Like we cannot, God said the first not good in the Bible, if you've heard me say this before, is it's not good for man or woman to be alone. There's a lot of goods. The first not good is it's not good for us to be alone alone. God created community. We're created by community, Father, Son, Spirit. We're created for community. Um, that's the point here, I think, of Luke 6, as we reenter into this, is that to be saved by Jesus not, doesn't just mean to have your sins forgiven, though it does mean that. It means more. It means that we are being woven into a new human community, a true human community. That, God, that only God could create. I couldn't have brought you all together. I would have never thought of bringing this group of people together. There's some of you I probably would have said, yeah, I would, you know, I were on the playground. I would have never thought of this team. Only God. And for that, I'm grateful today. So thank you, Jesus, for bringing this group of people together. So Jesus looked up, and then he invited people in, And then he reached out really quickly. He postured. He didn't just, it wasn't just good enough to get that group of disciples together from Jerusalem, Judea, Tyre, and Sidon. That's good. Y'all are good. I love being here with you. It wasn't good enough to get together, pray, sing songs, talk about God. He went down from that place. He's with them, stood on a level place. This large crowd gathers. Listen, he healed their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured. We've all faced some trouble this year. Maybe it hasn't felt like an evil spirit, but some trouble. Everybody who touched him was healed. He healed everybody. So he never lost sight of God's vision for healing. Even in this time, uh, the, the dark and dying world around Jesus, he understood he had to pray, he had to gather people, But he had to constitute them for a great work of sharing and extending the kingdom of God to everyone. Which meant walking amongst the crowds, teaching, feeding, healing, comforting, touching the untouchables. Now, obviously we're not going on touching each other right now. We're not going to do the holy hug and things like that. But he, Jesus, touched untouchables, crossed social divides, forgave his enemies, many of whom were his own people. Maybe there are people in your life that are close to you that there's a call to forgive right now. So Jesus did not wait, listen to this, for the spiritually dead or the physically dying to come to him. (laughs) He said, I'm going to go to them. I'm going to go to the world around me. And what's important is this is not an outreach department that I'm pitching to you. I'm not pitching a program. Jesus is not establishing a a missions department. I was a missions pastor for a season. This is not a mission trip we're on with Jesus, okay? The time of prayer is not the worship department. That calling to community is not the youth ministry department. Though I love, thank you, youth leaders. (laughs) And you can't extract one of these from the other, right? And they're all part of the same day. That's also key with Luke 6. They're part of one person's response to a chaotic situation. They're about relationships and how we cultivate centered, gospel-centered relationships that bring balance and healing to a whole life. So we're created this way, to be three-dimensional beings. Is this making sense? And we're called to respond to the challenges and difficulties in our lives, three-dimensionally. And so when one dimension gets out of whack, like it has this year... Uh, You know, the image that came to me is like when you drive your car and one of your wheels is out of alignment, you know, has that ever happened to you? It's going to make for a rough ride and probably have a blowout at some point down the road. And so I I mentioned Jesus was centered. Another way of describing that is he's balanced, which is important uh, because my typical, I mentioned my typical response, maybe our church's typical response if you think back over this last year in the whirlwind of life, is, you know, our up might have been strong. Cry out to God, right? Let's pray. Let's, uh, but the out might not have been there. You know, I, for me, maybe not the emotional bandwidth to reach, reach out to people. I was here in Lake City a lot and the homelessness crisis here uh, is profound. Maybe don't feel prepared for that. Um. For others, maybe this community piece comes quite naturally. You know, you have good friendships and you've stayed connected throughout the year. But uh, prayer? <laughs> I don't know about how to do that with friends. And like my friends, none of them are believers. So like praying with them, that seems kind of weird and awkward. We, we may forget to do the up part of our lives. What would that look like to cry out to God in the middle of the night when I'm just trying to sleep? What, what words do I use? Um, for others, I mean, I mentioned uh, my Enneagram type. If you don't know what that is, we can talk about it, but personality thing. But, like, you see the need. You've been very active this year. You get passionate for a cause. But you might neglect the relationships close to you. You're on the dinner table, and, and you might not be able to even name what your kids are learning in school. How your spouse's work is going. So I'm, what I'm saying is is if you struggle like with balance, with, like with me, get a little wobbly and out of alignment, that's what I want to talk about this next three weeks with you is just kind of centering, aligning, allowing God to restore us, renew us, remake us. Okay? Thinking of how Jesus did it. And so what I want to do to begin that, um, as we wait for our kids to come back to us um, is, is begin with that up piece. Uh, you know, I read a book a while back. We're, we're together. But I want to pray in this sort of three-dimensional way. I read a book a while back during COVID called Liturgy of the Ordinary. I, I mentioned praying while brushing your teeth or doing the dishes. That comes from Tish Warren Harrison's book, or Harrison Warren's book. Has anybody read this? Liturgy of the Ordinary, a few of you. That's an awesome book if you want to read a book on kind of how to experience God in these ordinary moments. called Liturgy of the Ordinary. She says, we work out our faith with these, if you think of the people around you right now, with these other broken men and women in the pews or in the chairs. It's lackluster. It's boring at times. It can be taxing. It's messy. It's painful. But, and this is super key, these Christians around me can become, if we allow each other's call and response, we get to remind each other of the good news. All saints and sinners, all of us, saints and sinners, at the same time, share in the gospel. The meal, if you think of it as a meal, would be incomplete if one of you wasn't here today. It would not be good news if one of you was missing. Or as Leslie newbegin put it, he's a missiologist, none of us can be made whole, till we're all made whole together. And so I wanna practice kind of being made whole together for a moment uh, by just praying together. And so the way we'll do this is is a litany. It's an ancient practice from the Catholic Church, I believe. Um, And if you've been in the Catholic Church, this will feel familiar to you. I'm going to pray primarily, but there's a, a piece of this prayer that we can say together, let's practice that. Revive your church. Renew us and remake us in your image. Revive your church. Renew us so that we may point others to a new heaven and new earth. If we're saved at all, friends, we're saved together. So I want to practice just being saved together this morning. We're going to pray around some, some things. And then I'll just invite you to respond, I'll, I'll just do this. Uh, which means you don't, you don't have to stand up, but I guess it's your cue to, to speak those words. Is that how they do it with litanies? Silas? Or I should point at Margie. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, in the okay, good. You never know I was raised in the Catholic Church, so <laughs> let's pray. And as kids come back, they can join us in this prayer time. Holy God, Father, Son, Spirit, We thank you for regathering us today in this place. For making a way for us to be here. For calling us together as people, your people. We thank you for your mercy, which is new every morning. We thank you for bringing us through this last year. Thank you for bringing us to this very moment. As we pray, revive your church, O oh Lord. Renew us and remake us in your image. Revive your church. Renew us so that we may appoint others to a new heaven and new earth. Lord, we pray for repair. As we come out of isolation, where we've experienced loneliness, where we've been discouraged and disheartened, God, where we've felt hurt. And God, where there's been loss, loss of life, loss of faith, loss of friendships. We pray for you to revive your church, renew us, and remake us in your image. Revive your church, O Lord. Renew us so that we may point others to a new heaven and new earth. God, we ask for your forgiveness for moments we may have gotten caught up in our own lives. Forgive us for not having eyes to see or maybe even closing our eyes when we can't we don't want to see. For not having ears to hear, or covering our ears when we don't want to hear, God. God, forgive us for not seeking you, for not knowing you, for seeking to know you. Revive your church. Renew us and remake us in your image. Revive your church. Renew us so that we might point others to a new heaven and new earth. Jesus, you modeled such perfect balance in your life. Sacrifice for neighbor. Intimacy with your father. True community that crossed divides and boundaries. Thank you for the vision of what's possible. Holy Spirit, you promised to root and strengthen and guide us. And so would you fill us now with your courage to speak out, speak up when we feel weak, with assurance that you're working in ways that we can't always see. Spirit, would you fill us with power to act and love like Jesus, to be the church that you're making us to be? Would you also fill us with the wisdom of gentleness so we might be effective in those places where we're weak. Revive your church, O oh Lord. Renew us and remake us in your image. Revive your church. Renew us so that we might point others to a new heaven and a new earth. Lord, you promised you're coming back to ultimately renew and restore us. Help us now to hold that vision out in front of us, Lord. Help us to confess Help us to repent. Help us to hope, Lord. Help us to live into this reality that the God we serve will and is making all things new. Help us to point each other to that coming kingdom with our actions and our life together. Revive your church, O Lord. Renew us. Remake us in your image. Revive your church. Renew us so that we might point others to a new heaven new earth, amen. I think we're gonna have one more song, Tavo and Andrew are gonna lead us and then Silas will come after I <laughs> disinfect this microphone. If you're new, I, I get teary sometimes and that seems to have caused a leak in my nose. So maybe you'll just use this mic, but uh let's stand and worship God. <laughs>